16 of Vikings football is here as we welcome you to the 11 and 3 edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. Can we get a skull chant to start things off? Well, uh, we want to first and foremost thank you guys for sticking around following the 9 and noon PA's Friday football feast today. Uh, my name is Gabe Henderson. Her name is Tatum Everett. And now uh, we got voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen as our guest today to give it up a round of applause for PA. Uh, PA, you just finished your show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was doing some research this morning, and uh, this is the eighth playoff team that you have covered here mm. since you've been voice of the Vikings. Since 02? Since 02. Yeah, you mean eight, yeah, eighth team, which means eighth, how yeah. many games have we gotten out of that? I wonder. Eighth different team. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, I have no idea. What separates this playoff team from the other seven? Well, the, you know, this is, I've, I've said publicly in some interviews and podcasts that I do that of, of all the years I've called Vikings football, and, and I said this middle of the season too. I mean, it was like, let's say eight and two or seven and whatever outside of the 2009 season with Brett Favre, because that was just so polarizing. And, you know, it's, I mean, there were so many big personalities on that team. And obviously they went to the NFC title game and barely missed the Super Bowl. Outside of that team, this is the most enjoyable Viking season that I've ever had. And, and that's, you know, whether they had, and, I, and whether they have lost the rest of them or they win the rest of them from the middle on simply because they're, they're I'm an old dog that likes new tricks. OK, I've had change all of my life. I've moved all over the place all my life. I do not fear change. In fact, I embrace it. And there was a lot of change, obviously. But there also were a lot of things said January, February and March where I'm going to sit back and watch them develop, yeah. you know, because not everything in life lives up to the hype, personally, professionally, prize fights, Super Bowls, whatever. Well, this has. And there were a lot of things that were said that needed to be changed, different languages that were spoken that I had never heard. And they were all right that it, this is living up to the hype personally as much as professionally. Mm. And I think part of it, too, is that they came in here, this front office, and said, we've got things in the cupboard. It's not a rebuild. And it's nice to see that come to fruition right now. Right. Yeah, it's a redo. The way I described it into the season, and I think it's accurate, it's a redo, but a redo with talent. Yeah. So it, it's not like, you know, the, I mean, what they're doing with the New York Giants with their redo with Brian Dayball, well, to have their record where it is, was hard to predict into the season. For the Vikings, 11-3 and three was hard to predict into the season. Mike McDaniel and Miami with that redo, well, that's a redo with Tower. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're a little up and down, but they're having a good season. So, but, you know, like back to the Cliff Kingsbury, I'm talking about these younger, newer coaches. Cliff Kingsbury comes in with Arizona. It was a redo with talent because he had the right quarterback, but it's not working. So, therefore, just the New Orleans Saints... You know, with, with Sean Payton being gone, one of the great offensive minds in the history of the NFL. Well, Dennis Allen knows where all the bones are buried, and he's been there as the defensive guy. But is that a redo with talent? Is it even a redo when, when you elevate a guy from within? Yeah. And that's not working out. Now, granted, they've had a quarterback situation, but that's their fault. You compensate Jameis, and he's bad. Well, that's on you. Or if he gets hurt, well, that's, that's a bad beat. 
So it's just fascinating to see what O'Connell and the staff have done with things that I've never seen over two decades. Yeah, over two decades. And understanding that Kevin O'Connell is in his first year, uh, he's 2-0 already against first-year head coaches. When you, when you look back at last week's second-half game, getting his second win over first-year head coach mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Saturday, where do you start when it comes to building momentum? Mm, well, you see, I like the term that O'Connell got from Sean McVay. And Brandon Staley, the coach of the L.A. Chargers, well, he's also a limb on the McVay trade. And they had an emotional win over the weekend. One of the first things he said, Staley, in his press conference was they were at their best mm. when their best was required. Well, we've heard that a million times here yeah. because McVay started it, probably pulled it from somebody else, and that's just how it works. Well, O'Connell uses it a lot, and it plays into your question because when you formulate a, a statement like be your best when your best is required, well, that's the inherent assumption that you're not always going to be at your best, and that's okay. Yeah. If you're not at your best game after game because you're not listening, you're staying out too late, you're late to practice, you're missing meetings. Well, that's one thing. But if human nature and or the other guy gets to make a play too, well, if you get beat, that's different than not knowing what you're doing. So we realize that's going to happen. But when you have to come charging and it's required, yeah. you better be at your best. And but- I just love that about Kevin. And I think that's why a lot of these games are coming down to the wire, these close games, that exact mantra that you're talking about. And now you've got a Vikings team and a Giants team who are one and two in the NFL in close games. Mm. But it kind of st- going into the Colts game, I think a lot of us thought this could be the game where we see the four quarter full performance. <laughs> this could be the maybe a two touchdown plus win. Yeah. Right. And we didn't see it. So I knowing what you know about the close games, how how do you think this stacks up? against the Giants. Is this a the game where we see it? Well, uh, do you have a game this year, Tatum, where you, <laughs> no. you looked at it like, this is going to be it. They're going to beat somebody by 10 or more. I think the only... Like two or three. I think I've had maybe a couple. Maybe okay. maybe well, the fine. Commanders, maybe maybe the, uh, last week. You? Yeah, just last week. But I'm also okay. pretty pessimistic, so... Well, well yeah. Rightfully <laughs> so. I haven't had one all season. No, well, actually, for those with whom I chat football sometimes on the radio and sometimes off, into the Green Bay game. Aaron's first game without his bailout guy, and we're at home, and I had seen training camp. Well, I told everybody who would listen they're going to kill Green Bay in this game. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that they're going to win the division. It doesn't mean they're going to be 11-3 and when we next chat. Green Bay is not prepared for this off what I saw in the preseason. And I still think people are really shortchanging the importance, not of Devontae being great, having a bailout guy. Somebody, whether it's personally or professionally, it's great to have somebody on whom you can count when the situations are at their worst. Okay, well, that came to fruition. After that, I haven't really had a moment because of all these close games. Well, I'm going to dip my toe in the metaphorical water for this one Saturday is I think they're going to beat the New York Giants by a minimum of 14 points. Oh, wow. And I think they're going to jump them somewhere in the second quarter and the steamroll bit final home game white out atmosphere giants a little slow in bad spots pass rush terrific defensive front terrific if they don't get there kirk's going to kill the secondary and i couldn't say that about a stefan gilmore and or what i thought was going to be a kenny moore secondary but then when Moore scratched that changed the game a little bit these giants ain't them 
And um, so, yeah, I think the Vikings are going to beat the Giants by multiple scores. And I'm probably going to be wrong, like everybody who's been rooting for it all year. And, and if anybody's watched Winning Formula this year, we've been wrong every week outside of Pete Bursich. And this week on Winning Formula, mm -hmm. uh, you had Duke, our guy Duke, mm -hmm. getting an interception against the other guy Duke, I guess who went to Duke, and Daniel Jones. Yeah. What makes you think that? And how do you address this Cam Dantzler situation? Mm -hmm. Well, the with, with Duke Shelley, his last interception was four years ago when he was at Kansas State, when he had two against Oklahoma State. Now, with Duke, with the Bears, and with us, he hasn't had a lot of opportunity. He's getting a lot of opportunity here. I think the Giants are going to be coming from behind, so I think that's going to lead to a quarterback with whom they want to run having to pass. And I just think Duke's kind of sitting on one. So now Cam Dantzler was active last game, ill, and stood on the sideline the whole game. The way Duke Shelley played during that comeback, I don't see how you can sit somebody like mm. that because he was tantamount on two third downs that you had to have stops. One was the second, actually. So, yeah, I think Duke right now is the better option. Okay, well, uh, we had Duke Shelley on the Audible this week. His story is pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Awesome. It's really neat. And But there are several And he has stories. a nice first name. I like his first name. Yaquis. Yeah, Yaquis. Yes. Beautiful yes, name. very nice, very nice. Um, but but I think the most, the biggest thing that we pulled out of the Audible from Duke Shelley and Shannon Sullivan was just how much they know the game, mm -hmm. how they how they process things. When you change up the defense the way that Ed Donatel did from, from not too much, but from past games to this game, what kind of a mental toll does that take on a player to kind of change the way that they're thinking? I, I mean, I can't speak for the player because I've never played, but from what I've seen of late and the indie game is an excellent example because there were x amount of things that were different from anything we've seen which means harrison smith is now coming on blitzes like what i remember in in the zimmer defense now now harrison with those five picks he's been a true free safety for this team and cam bynum has been the strong safety in the zimmer defense they both play free and strong down by down. It changes. It's starting to change here with Harrison where they're utilizing him more at the line. And it's kind of found money, like Dalvin catching the ball, where when coordinators start to look at this, it's like, wow, we haven't seen this for a month and a half. Well, now we got to pay attention to it. So you can play off of it. Be because it it's when, you know, the defense was giving up at least 409 yards a game, five consecutive, a franchise record for inadequacy. The, the low-hanging fruit with what I was hearing from the outside was blitz, blitz, blitz. You have to blitz more. I didn't like that. I didn't like it because you, you then have corners who are going to be on islands and a singled up, and I don't necessarily know if I like that yeah. But but in certain situations. But it truly is what is a blitz out of a 3-4. I think people were messing it up because you got three down linemen and then four linebackers. Well, a blitz is when you bring five or more people. Well, we naturally are bringing three or four, and Zadarius is one of them, so people are like, see, Zadarius blitz. Well, no, he not. No, he didn't. He's the fourth guy just doing his job rushing. So there wasn't, I think we ran our first what's called zero blitz of the entire season. That's so crazy. In the Colts game. That means all center of the field's open. If you don't get home, you're dead. Yeah. And they didn't get a sack, but they got an incomplete pass. Mm -hmm. So I like that. That they're aggressive, yes, 
certain situations, not just this all out, let's stand right opposite and go press coverage and blitz every time, you know? Yeah, uh, speaking of aggressive, I, I want to get your take on a comment made about their Pro Bowl. It was kind of aggressive, but I'm going to ask you that when we get back from the break. Is that cool, PA? Sure. Cool. Hey, Vikings fans, right now you can pick up a commemorative Vikings Cup at U.S. Bank Stadium. Fill it with an ice-cold Pepsi, and you'll be ready for football watching. Spa Montage is the Twin Cities' premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there's a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. We are back. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. Again, thank you all for stu- staying with us, being here. <laughs> Uh, PA, yeah. Pro Bowl selections just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, we know this year it will be a flag football game, which a lot of players are in favor for. I, I want to get your comments about Tyreek Hill, though. He made a, a couple of comments mm. about the Pro Bowl this year. He tweeted, he says, since the Pro Bowl is not tackle anymore, let's do it in the middle of the season mm. like the NBA. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? No, because I don't want anything happening in the middle of the season. It's flag, though. Right, I understand. But how are you going to handle all the buys for every team? Mm, I mean, it's it's ridiculous that that he conceived that because there's just not time or off time. I'm an all-pro guy, okay? If you make first or second team all-pro, when I'm calling the game, that's going to be on the game-calling depth chart. (laughs) If you've been to 10 consecutive Pro Bowls, that's never going to be on the game-calling depth chart because it's a popularity contest that – has no merit or little merit when it truly comes to what somebody is doing to impact a team positively. And why I say this is the punter for the NFC in the Pro Bowl, Tress Way, is a terrific punter, and he has been all of his career. Our punter, Ryan Wright, has like 31 or 32 punts inside the 20 and zero touchbacks. That's so by far the best in the NFL. If that's not Pro Bowl worthy, screw the Pro Bowl. And the next opportunity is for him to be all pro, first or second team. But see, it's things like that. It's like Miles Sanders. Somebody name a Miles Sanders memorable play that he's made at any point of his career. Got to go back to his college days. You can't. Okay, well, just last week with Dalvin, 64 on the screen, 81 against the Bills, one-handed catch at FedEx. I mean, there are nationally memorable plays for Dalvin, but again, the popularity bit, Miles Sanders over Dalvin, it's just stupid. He, he has led the Louisiana animals to be top three in the guillotine league, though. So that's all that matters. The Louisiana animals right would no, beat I, the I Eagles think... on and off the field. <laughs> I do, I do think that you're right. I think it's a hard no from the from the coaches and GMs on a midseason Pro Bowl flag football game. However, you you mentioned one guy that you feel has been a little bit snubbed by this Pro Bowl voting. The Vikings have five on the Pro Bowl roster, eight alternate, nine alternates, rather. Um, Anyone else in particular you Mm. wish you would have seen on that list? Well, I mean, for the second half of the season, I have not followed it as closely as the first half. But during the first half of the season, I would get on the 9 to Noon show on KFAN or with my football friends and say, find me a better guard in the NFL than Ezra Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, you can you can say your guy in Dallas, Zach Martin. Zach Martin. Or yeah. you can go to the low-hanging fruit where everybody always goes. And you're probably going to be right. But I can lay out 10 plays right now where I can end it by saying, find me a better guard in the NFL. 
So, you Who's know. Who's as fast? Exactly. <laughs> but, All I can see is visions was, of him next to Dalvin. Right, on but the he's mean, too. And, oh, and yeah. it's the, he is. It's the, the term that I use is competitively arrogant, and it is not a derogatory term. Like, you would think arrogant, derogatory. Competitively arrogant is, I know that I'm better than you. I've watched your tape. I know you're not necessarily ready every single game, and I'm going to whoop your ass for the next three hours. And then after that, I'm going to shake your hand. You want to talk about what you can do to get better or what we can do, you know, make each other better, iron sharpening iron. I'm here for that. But that's competitive arrogance. Ezra has it. So Ezra, maybe. That's called mindset to me. And another guy who has that mindset, who I think is snubbed off that list, is Harrison Smith. How do you have 77 tackles, third in interceptions in the NFL right now, and not make the Pro Bowl? Right. But who, But there's one who made it ahead of him that uh, I looked at. I was like. I, I believe I, I can't think of the name. I can't I mean, remember. It, it It didn't make sense to me. But honestly. Oh, Quandre Diggs. Yeah. Bro, stop dropping passes that Baker throws directly to you. Or was it Baker or somebody threw one? Uh, no, Purdy. That Purdy throws directly to you that would have gone to the end zone and potentially flipped a game. Um, Quandre Diggs is not a better safety than Harrison Smith. Harrison has five interceptions. And as we saw, but again, with the Pro Bowl, it's get a sheet. Maybe there's a stat on it. From a player standpoint, and a lot of coaches too, it's like, all right, that's my dog, check. I went to college with him. Okay, LSU with him, cool. All right, that's my dog. It's ridiculous, you know, what goes into the popularity contest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because how badly did the Minnesota Vikings miss Harrison Smith when he didn't play at Ford Field? With all due respect to the replacement, but that is a passing offense with a Super Bowl quarterback, and they're going to make you pay if you ain't ready, and we weren't ready. So that just plays into why Harrison should have been in there. Yeah, you just talked a little bit about Ezra Cleveland getting left off, but uh, the Giants that are coming in on Saturday, they certainly blitz a lot, and keeping Kirk clean, giving him some time in the pocket is going to be key, Uh, especially when you... (laughs) I wouldn't I wouldn't say the Giants secondary is, is certainly strong right now. Nope. You know, I covered a Dory Jackson in Tennessee mm. and um he's always good. yeah, he's good. Yeah, I guess quick, he's better he's than smart. I think. Yeah. He's good. He's he's good at, and when he missed games they definitely felt it in, when he was a Titan as well. Yeah. Uh so so knowing what the offensive line has has it mm. at on task on Saturday, how do you make sure that you are aware of all the blitzing and give Kirk the time? Well, the the Detroit Lions two games ago blitzed seventh most of any team in the NFL, but their last five up to us, second most. Yep. So you saw that. Well, now last game, you saw DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart inside. DeForest has potential Hall of Fame to him. Grover Stewart couldn't pick him out of a two-person lineup standing next to Harrison Smith a week and a half ago. But now I know who he is. Man, is he good. Well, that's Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. So you just faced a similar scenario, but they don't have an edge like Unique Ngakwe, who's a one-trick pony, but that one trick's really good. So I think you got all set up nicely the last two mm-hmm. to handle this one, block it up nicely. And I'm, I said it on my radio show recently, Cousins is going to have four, might have four in high change in this game. Oh, either that or Dalvin I just don't see us running 60% of the time and throwing 40. Our coach doesn't think that way. But throwing to Dalvin and making him look like runs, end of the game here, Dalvin may have like 80, 90 receiving yards. Uh, I would love that. And um, I I think what a lot of people will love is just for a Vikings win, but at what cost? And my last question for you is, at what cost or at what point do you start to rest the starter this year? Well, why? why? I mean, the 
the Vikings have to win every game the rest of the year to, to have the two seed. Okay, and that's the assumption the 49ers are going to win the rest of their games. Yeah. Look at the 49ers schedule. If they don't lose this week, they ain't losing. Okay, and they're a game behind you with a better conference record. So the Vikings need to win their final three games so they can have a home playoff game in the wild card round, beat somebody, and then get the Niners, the three seed, at U.S. Bank Stadium round two. I mean, that stuff is super key yeah. to me. You don't want to play them away. No, but, but I mean, well, it'd be nice if the Vikings finally blew somebody out. So maybe they can, like, use backup offensive line guys for three series yeah. in the second half, you know? That will be nice. I'm searching for the numbers right now. I heard it earlier this week. I can't find it in enough time. But there is a drastic difference between being the two seed and the three seed mm. in the success rate mm. for you in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. so I, I agree with you, PA. I don't, I don't think you said them. I think that this, this 49ers team has a strength of schedule that yeah. is pretty easy down here on the stretch. And uh, there's no way that they're not going to be nipping at the heels. One of the, the next, end. one of the final two games at Green Bay or at Chicago is going to be markedly more winnable yeah. and less aggressive than we can see now. Mm-hmm. Like if Green Bay loses to Miami, then they probably will use Jordan Love. And they probably will, will a lot of these veterans yep. probably will sit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an opportunity to jack around with that game a little bit. Emphasis on, on the words jack around with. Because that's what you're doing. You're taking the guys who have gotten you where you are out of their rhythm, in which could potentially mess up the future, the now, and forget the past. I'm not a fan. Well, the present is the fact that the Minnesota Vikings play in their 30th Saturday game mm. tomorrow against the New York Giants. Uh, the Vikings are 19 and 10 mm. in Saturday games, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they go 20 and 10. And uh, PA, I'll be right beside you when you make those calls. Everybody give it up. Give a round of applause for Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, as well as Tatum Everett. Thanks. Tatum and her camera. (laughs) And don't don't forget to wear white on Saturday for the big winter whiteout. Right on. I will say, the conditions outside certainly speak to me Mm. as being the whiteout. Was it ever like this in Louisiana or North Carolina? (laughs) No, this whole building will be closed right now. Yeah. If it was snowing. Well, but there are three transplants. The only difference is I've lived here a quarter century, so I've lived, dealt with it a lot more than you guys. I feel oh, for you guys. Man. Slowly starting to get used to it, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely oh, get for used yourself. to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vikings fans, thank you for tuning in to thank another you. edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for sticking around.